Jesus, to you we lift our eyes. Jesus, our glory and our prize. We adore you, behold you, our Savior ever true. Oh, Jesus, we turn our eyes to you. Jesus, to you we lift our eyes. Jesus, our glory and our prize. We adore you, behold you, our Savior ever true. Oh, Jesus, we turn our eyes to you. Oh, Jesus, we turn our eyes to you. Lord Jesus, there is no reason to hide from you. There is no reason to run from your grace. You see us, you know us, you died for us. It is because of your grace that we can gather, we can sing, we can lift our voices to heaven. We can cry in your presence, we can laugh, we can love. We live such full lives because you paid the debt that we were supposed to. We have a peace in you that goes beyond all understanding because you died on the cross and you rose again to fulfill every scripture, fulfill every promise. And now you pour yourself out so that you can fill every heart in this room. Our hearts are fickle, Lord. We have such a tendency to run, to hide. But there's no reason and no way to hide from you. Instead, we should run to you. Run to your feet. Run to your grace all the more. We ask you, not because of our own merit, but because of yours. Would you forgive our fickle hearts, Father? Would you forgive our sins? Would you wash us clean? And instead, give us a bright, shining face to look upon you, Father, with joy, with gladness, and with peace. So as we look to you tonight, Father, we pray that we would see you. We would see you for who you truly are, the loving and gracious Father, seated in heaven who pours himself out upon each and every single one of us. And as you pour yourself out, as you fill our spirits with our hearts, with our minds, with our souls, turn to you. Would they be filled with your grace, with your love? And because of that, would we know all the more how to love our neighbors, how to love the people closest to us, that we would leave tonight 
moved, transformed, light in our spirit, that every burden we have coming in tonight would be cast at your feet, that you would pick those burdens up for us, that you would carry it for us, and instead allow us to stand firm in our faith, our faith in you, the faith that saves souls. Would you illuminate your text tonight that we would not just read words, but read the story of our redemption, the story of how to bring you glory, the story of how to pray to you, how to love the Lord our God with all our hearts, and that as we leave here tonight, we would leave as your people, loving, full of grace, and with no choice but to love the people around us because you loved us first, Father. So we bow our heads and we thank you and we praise you. All glory and honor is yours forever and ever. Amen. We can turn to Psalm 100 and Isaiah will be reading our scripture tonight. Again, Psalm 100. Okay, good evening. I'll start reading. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. Know that the Lord, know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who made us and we are his. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name for the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever and his faithfulness is to all generations. All right, let's pray. Enter into your gates with thanksgiving and your courts with praise. We pray, Lord, I pray that that's been happening already in this place. From the parking lot to the pew and through the meeting and the greeting and in the singing and even now in the scripture reading and announcements. Oh, there's, there is so much reason to be thankful And as we've been studying through this series on the poetry of prayer, I sense, I believe that in this place, in our church, prayer, your presence, encountering, communing, fellowshipping with you, I trust it's been sweeter, richer, fuller, more of what it's meant to be. I pray that tonight, God, that if you haven't yet grabbed someone's attention, a soul's attention, that right now you'd do it, that you'd captivate us, that you would get us. The Bible is not boring. The songs we sang, they're worthy to be turned up louder. And so, Lord, please minister to us now in devotional study of the Bible. We don't just make noise for no reason. We don't just sing for no reason. Our worship is intellectual. It's emotional. It's everything within. So fellowship with us now. And as we make observations in this place, I thank you for the family feel of a Wednesday night. I thank you for the participation and the sharing. So from Keiki to Kupuna and everyone here, God, let us encounter you. We're going to get in with that, though, because I'm really thankful that my sister shared that. Um, 
because I do think that thanksgiving or thankfulness, it is something in the scriptures that because we're so familiar with the word, we do tend to gloss over it. We tend to assume that we get it or it's just a. I would, I would go as far and argue and say that the attitude of uh, uh, thanksgiving or thankfulness is so underrated in Christian character. It's so underrated. We live in a generation that celebrates strength, courage, accomplishment, hard work, all sorts of things, all sorts of attributes. But to think of someone that's just grateful, we'll just say they're just grateful or it's just thankful. And I, and I really do mean that in that I think even from cakey time, we were taught to say thank you, right? Um, not that that's a bad thing. That I teach my children to say thank you, but that's the problem where it's just something we've, from very young age, we've learned to just say it, um, right? Christmas time, that's why we're always reminding them, what do you say? Thank you, right? Um, and, and I think there's a difference between saying thank you and being thankful. You know what I'm talking about? There's a huge difference. So tonight, my, my, my concern is I don't want to study through Psalm 100, which is the only psalm that is titled a psalm of thanksgiving, of giving thanks to God, which is interesting. But I don't, want to, I don't want to rip through this psalm and us learn how to just say thank you, uh, to learn religiously how to give thanks. What I, what I hope to do is that the psalmist is giving us a picture of what a believer is like when he or she is thankful. When someone is full of gratitude and thanksgiving, this is the effect. This is what spills over, what overflows in the, in the points when you guys are taking notes. If you take notes, um, I use the word overflow intentionally. Overflow intentionally because I believe biblical thanksgiving to be thankful when you're full of thanks, you're filled to the brim. So you spill out this. The Psalm 100 is a picture of a believer who is so full of thanks to God that he spills over. And we'll see in the first verses, noise, service, song. This is language for the Christian. This is our native tongue. And it's the, the but the, the, the hard, difficult reality is we live in a generation that is ungrateful. It's more, think about it. How easy is it for you to just go through the day and catch wind of people complaining or grumbling about something or someone? How easy is it for you to go through the day and catch wind of yourself complaining and grumbling? and being salty, and habuteru, and all, you know, what local people say. Let me, let me read you a verse before we get into the psalm. 2 Timothy chapter 3, when Paul is telling Timothy about these days, the end days, he says this in verse 1, understand this, Timothy, in the last days, there will come times of difficulty. Local person says times is hot, right? Yeah, Timothy, get it. This is how it's going to be in the last days. Then he says this. He gives a crazy heavy list. He says, people can love themselves. Check. Okay, we see that. Lovers of money. Check. Yeah, we see that. Proud. Arrogant. These are big terms. Abusive. Disobedient to their parents. And here, listen, ungrateful. He doesn't stop there. The list goes on and it gets heavy. Unholy. Heartless. Unappeasable. Slanderous. 
No self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. This is such a heavy, hard-hitting list that describes our time and day and age. And right in the middle of it all, it's interesting. This one word says ungrateful is in the midst of such a heavy, heavy-hitting list. See, I think we undervalue thankfulness and we don't realize how devastating to, it is to be ungrateful. An ungrateful heart is a scary place to be. So my burden tonight is all oh, new Uanu. Let's not just learn how to say thank you to God because it's the right Christian thing to do. No. Let's not just honor God with our lips and our hearts be far from it, Matthew 12, 34. We're going to look at this beautiful poetic picture of a psalmist. And we must be stunned and convicted and compelled and captivated by a man, a woman who is full of thanks to God. And we're going to look at and pick at, okay, this is how a person is when they are full of thanks. And then devotionally, what you can ask, what I can ask as I work through it, Where am I, Lord? Am I ungrateful this evening? Am I missing out on Thanksgiving? What can I learn and rip and glean from this text that can help me cultivate a thankful heart? Because it is a command. It's an imperative. It's not an option, Christian. And I love that Sovereign pointed this out. It's for all seasons. Let's pick it up. I don't want tonight to be a study that teaches how to say thank you, but rather a teaching that shows us what happens when we are all full of thanks. God, help us, keep us, bring this to life. Amen. Verse one, make a joyful noise to the Lord all the earth. This is cause and effect. This is what a thanks, thankful person does. Make a joyful noise. I love that. Ruah. That's the Hebrew word. It's to cry out. It's a war cry. It's a shout of triumph. It's an exultation with a, with a loud, here it is, loud blast. Does that bring anything? Does that cause you to think of something? If you think of a loud war cry blast in Hawaii, what do you think of? Why are you guys all smiling? Just do it. What does that remind you of? I heard it twice in all of our Christmas services this past week. It was, I loved it. Um, candlelight service. Kids are doing their beautiful dance. And, uh, yeah, and, that's what she, <laughs> and some of them looked at me. They're like, Pastor Chris, why are you doing No, it wasn't me. But no, I love it. That's, that's what it was. And that's Uncle Michael. He just revealed himself, all right? Uh, he's the one to blame. And then, you know, we hear it again. I think it was the next service. I think it was, I don't know what other, it was another Christmas service. And it was great. I just, oh no, it was the week I was preaching. And I, it just, you know, I just, but there's a sense of which like, that's that, I feel like if there's going to be a verse in the Bible to justify a chihu at church, this is the one. I mean, this is the one. Make a joyful noise. I'll, have you ever been so overjoyed to the point where you had to just make some noise. That's part of living, you know. Now, you know what's crazy about this? Pause, and I can think of all the places in our world that joyful noises are readily heard. 
right? The ball game, even a good movie. Surfers, when a nice set comes in, <laughs> you know, like it just, it just comes out of you. You make it, you choose to do it. People make noise all the time. I, I just wonder, what, what do you make noise for? I know you guys all make joyful noises for something, someone, in some place in time. Uh, don't be shy. I know. Everyone in here has gotten loud before. And you did it. Notice it's, it's joyful. Joy is not an accident. Joy has a reason. There's a purpose for which you feel joy and then it overflows into noise. The first point is Thanksgiving overflows into joyful noise. But here's the thing. It says joyful noise to what? The Lord. How about the presence of the Lord? Sports, concerts, hobbies, even um, people watching news. I hear people make noise in the, the house next to me, you know, or just where there's many places where joyful noises get made. But what about to the Lord? This is in the Bible. And it is a command. Amen. And then it says, Zion, all the earth. You know what that means in the Hebrew? All the earth, the whole world, all the land, all the territories, all the peoples that live in the earth. It's to everyone and everything. And there's something about making a joyful noise that just completes the enjoyment. I want to relish on this a little bit because when you think about it, it's true. Can I? What if I told you? You know, during the announcement that we heard that Betsy's baby was born, what if we told everyone, no noise making? Uh, what if what if you told me, you know, go watch, um, I, I, go watch, go to um, your niece's Christmas performance, and when they go up and they sing their song, no noise. Can you imagine you went to a Hawaii graduation and you told all the families you had to sign up, no shouting, no noise, and definitely no chihu. Everyone will be what? You're killing the joy, man. You're killing the party. You're ruining this for who? For me and for them, but really for us. There's something about seeing something so awesome that you just got to make some noise. It's part of the experience of worship. It's part of the enjoyment of glorifying God. It's part of the satisfaction. That's why it's so loving when God commands you and I make some noise. Because I'm telling you, me, I'm worth it. Your heart was meant to worship stuff that's so good. It's just all the other things in life pale in comparison to God. I wonder how much of us in this place has made noise to the Lord, joyful noise to the Lord. And if you haven't, if, if, you're, if you're quiet, if you've been quiet, you're missing out. You are missing out. Why are we so quiet? Why are we too silent? Are you shamed? Are you shame? Are we embarrassed? Are, do, we, do we not believe? Are we too dignified? Oh, oh, I, will, I cannot make noise. No, not me. Tell that to King David, who danced before the Lord. It's all through the Bible. Luke 19, verse 40, at the triumphal entry, the people, blessed be, Hosanna in the... And the Pharisees say to Jesus, hey, tell them the, huh. you know what Jesus says? Verse 40, I tell you, if these were silent, the very stones would cry out. 
I sat on my beach chair at a park today and I stared at a rock. I looked at the rock and I watched the rock and I looked away and I looked back at the rock. You know how expressive the rock was? You know how excited and much noise the rock made? And I thought to myself, I will never be out worshiped by a rock. I got breath in my lungs. I have affection and emotion and all of that that God put and wired in us. I'm not going to let a rock be louder than me. But I wonder, I wonder, church. Oh, cultivate in your life a prayer of thanksgiving. And when it, and it really hits home, it overflows. And you just, you make some noise. It's a beautiful thing when we finally are able to enjoy God to the point where you can't keep quiet. You know how powerful of a witness that is? That's why all these little block parties or concerts or whatever it is the world tries to make noise at, it's alluring and drawing because you look at those people and you look at their comments and you look at the reviews they write and they're expressing all this loud, joyful noise and that they're experiencing something great and you're just pulled to it. But then in the church, we speak of a God who created the heavens, all those amazing stuff, Christmas. He came and took the form of a babe and he came and he lived sinless and he died and he rose. And, and we're like, what? Go tell it on the mountains, over the hills and everywhere. Make some noise. There's much to be said, but we got to move on. Psalm 95, verse 1 to 2, it says, Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. Let us make a joyful noise to him with songs of praise. And I'm going to bleed more into this in a little bit when we get to verse three, but hold on. We're going to just get to verse two first. We're not just making noise for the sake of making noise. And we're not going to sing just for the sake of singing. We'll get there in verse three, but Thanksgiving overflows in making a joyful noise. Verse two, serve the Lord with gladness. Here's the point. Thanksgiving overflows in serving, serve, labor, work, expend energy. That's the word. Again, to the who? The Lord. But it doesn't just say that. It doesn't just say make noise. Joyfulness. It doesn't say just serve. Serve with gladness. Simcha. I love this word. Joy. Mirth. Look that up. It's a nice word. Pleasure. It's a feeling of an attitude of great delight. There's a giddiness in it. There's a moving of the affections. That's this word with gladness. Question. Those of us who serve the Lord. I'm not talking about just here at service and, you know, with the sound and the, and the saint. Not just these things. It's your very life, Romans 12. In view of God's mercy, you offer your body. Your whole life is service to God. But do we do it with gladness? Oh, there's a big difference. There's a big difference of doing something. Because you got to do it. Those of you who serve the Lord today, praise team, as you, as you got ready and all the preparations and 
in the back with the sound and even others who just there was in your workplace for me people ask me you know how how long it takes to prep a sermon and it takes hours it takes time painstaking time but it's a pleasurable pain there's there's this deep sense of like i i get to do this for god whether it's a sermon preparation or scrubbing the toilet, John the Baptist says, I don't deserve to untie the Lord's sandal. You see the difference there. Second Corinthians chapter 12, verse 15, I will most gladly spend and be spent for your souls. This is the apostle talking about in his service to the church. How most gladly Guys, that is an ingredient that is essential that you can't fabricate. You can't fabricate it. But again, these things, verse 1 and 2, this is overflow of thanksgiving. See, and we'll get there as we get to a close. But the, verse 1 and verse 2 is describing a person that's full of thanks. And then we're going to figure out as we work through the psalm, okay, I identify that's not happening to me or I'm losing that or I fall from that. Well, how do I keep that? How do I keep cultivating a thankful heart? Well, we'll, we'll get more clear on that as we go. But this is just the cause and effect. This is the response. I hope and pray you're being motivated to cultivate a prayer of thanksgiving. Serve the Lord with gladness. All through the Bible, all the saints, Paul, Dave, every, name it, you know it. They all were saved and they served and they served with all their guts, with all their heart, with all the joy. Why? We'll see. Christian ministry isn't some religious obligation. It's not a dreadful picture. That's such a dreadful picture of the gospel. If you've been making noise and serving with no joy and gladness, I am so sorry. And I pity you so much. Because that's not how it was meant to be. It's not how it is meant to be. That's like telling someone, go watch a game of a team you have no affection for and go sit in the cheering section. Do your best, buddy. Can you imagine in the cheering section and everyone's like, oh, war painted. You know, like, we got spirit. Yeah, and you're like, I don't even like this. I don't even know who starts. Can you imagine? And then you just got to go and do it. We got spirit. It's like, what? But I wonder, oh my gosh, if that's your worship, if that's your heart, if that's our heart, something's off, guys. That's not how it's meant to be. Okay, and there's a little bit more overflow. Let's go, and then we'll get into verse three is the big, big one. Thanksgiving overflows in serving. Come into his presence with singing. Thanksgiving overflows in singing. Oh, don't you love that? I'm so thankful that we sing, that God is a God of song, and that he says, come, come, sing. And here's the word. It's crazy. It's a joyful song. It's not just like a, just sing it, just sing along. One of the schools I went to, and I say that because I went to four, but one of them, I was in the school choir, and I was younger. And I didn't like singing. And I sang, but it was not with joy. It was mostly, most, mostly, <laughs> mostly mouth. But there's a difference. You can sing, and then you can sing. You know what I'm saying? 
You can sing a song and then that song can be your jam. This is this Hebrew word. It's sing the song as if that's your soul jam. That's, that's it. Oh my gosh. It overflows in that kind of singing. You don't need to be a good singer to experience good Christian singing. Let me say that again. You don't need to be a good singer because a lot of people say, I don't sing in church because I'm not a good singer. Oh, that's not what the Bible teaches. Make a joyful noise. Sing. Sing it. Your soul needs to sing. Sometimes you just need to sing. And I'm so ministered to by, by you guys when you show up and I don't want to sing and you sing. That was like for me for candlelight. I was in the cheering section right here. All the young men, all the boys, they were just singing loud and proud. And I was like, oh, turned around. Thank you for singing loud. I needed that. And I started singing loud. Sing the song. Your soul needs it. But again, this is all an overflow effect of true thanksgiving. It's possible, guys, for us to just sing, to just make noise. Jesus calls that hypocrisy. Matthew 15. This people honors me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. In vain do they worship. Fake false praise, that's torturous. Oh, how I pity the song that you have to sing, that you think you have to sing, the words you read on the screen and you sing it, and there's no joy. I don't want us to learn how to just say thank you, sing thank you, do thank you. No, be joyful. So I hope by this time you're wondering, okay, okay, I hear that. I see this guy. He's, he's overflowing with, with noise and, and, and song and service. And obviously his body is expressing something that's happening inwardly. So, so how, how does this Thanksgiving, how do I cultivate a heart of Thanksgiving? If you're experiencing a hardened heart this evening, dryness, deadness, affectionless walk tonight, tune in please right now. Because the first two verses, you saw the effects of it. Maybe you've tasted the effects of it. Maybe you've been there before. Or maybe you've never known that. There are things you make noise for way louder than Jesus. There are songs you sing. You sing secular songs like, holy moly, I didn't know you could sing like that. But when it comes to singing church music, Jesus songs, you're stiff as a board. But you go karaoke. Dang, bro, you have some pipes. You know, like, what happened? If that's you, okay, listen. Verse 3. Four and five. We're going to finish here. But here's the point. And we're going to walk through the last three verses and we'll pile. It's a longer point. It's a wordier point, but I hope you hear it clearly. True prayer of thanksgiving flows from a right understanding of who God is and what he's done and who we are and what we deserve. I'm going to say it again. True prayer of thanksgiving. If you want to really cultivate a grateful heart, a thankful heart, it flows from a right understanding of who God is and what he's done and who we are and what we deserve. I said this at Thanksgiving service. In order for a mahalo to make sense, you cannot just go pass out anonymous thank yous to people. Don't write thank you cards and just leave it open-ended anonymously and pass them out. It's going to make no sense. You're going to get a bunch of question marks and be like, for what? For what? For what? If you just go around and tell people thank you, 
No, it doesn't make sense until you clarify and say, no, Thanksgiving works when there's clarity on the deed done to you, right? You did something for me, I say, thank you. You know why we have such an ungrateful generation? They don't have a clue who God is and what he's done for sinners like us and who we are and what we deserve. This is why all good systematic theologies begin with God and then man. Who God is, how awesome and beautiful he is, and who man is, how awful and, and broken we are. That's the right way to begin systematic theology. And the ripple effect of that is thankfulness. If you've been losing gratitude, it's because you've been losing sight of who God is, what he's done, who you are, what you deserve. Just come back to that. That's why the psalmist finishes this way, and I love it. So he's talking about in verse 1 to 2, saying, make noise, serve. But then he says this, verse 3, no. Know that the Lord, he is God. He made us. We are his. We're his people, his sheep, his pasture. Our worship must be intelligent. No. Know this. The Lord, Yahweh, is God, Elohim. He's the true God. And this God, the real God, he made you. Oh, he made you. Why does that matter so much, especially in our generation of confused identity people? You have a maker. You have someone who fashioned you, who formed you, who knows you in and out. When's the last time you just marveled at that? I guarantee if you took a minute, you'd end up giving thanks. You took two minutes, you'd end up making noise. You took three minutes, you'd end up singing songs. You took an hour, you'd end up figuring out, okay, I got to do something for you, my maker. Because if you made me, then you can fix me. You know me. And then it says, we're his. Oh, there's a generation right now that is so lost and wanting to belong to something and someone. They just want to feel like they belong. You're his. He's, you're his possession. He owns you. You're, he's your master. He's your creator. And he's your master. You're his. That's why there's, there, there's this way in which God wired us as children or orphans who don't know their parents. They just some, they want to know where they came from. You know why that's wired in there? Because it actually forwards and points you forward to the greater epic. God is your father. He's your maker. And there's a sense of security now knowing in which who made you and where you belong. And then he says this, you're his people. That's terminology of kingdom, meaning he's your king. I know where my homeland is and it ain't here. Thanks be to God. I'm his man. You're his man. You're his woman. You're his people. The sheep of his pasture. If we're sheep, that means he's the what? That's right. He's the shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Is he your shepherd? Do you know that? 
what a true and right poetic image, a shepherd to sheep, Jesus to us. Is he these things? See, thanksgiving doesn't come just from nothing. There needs to be a right understanding of who God is. And the psalmist just spits it right now with these heavy attributes of God. Creator, master, king, shepherd. Jesus brings it home in John 10. He says, I'm the good shepherd, the good shepherd. And here we go. More information, more knowledge lays his life down for the sheep. Verse 14, I'm the good shepherd and I know my own and my own know me. I lay my life down for the sheep. And verse 16, I got other sheep of this fold and they must come in. If you don't know Christ tonight, if you're joyless, if, if Christianity and church is just this weird thing that they make noise and it makes no sense to you, hear this. Jesus Christ laid down his life for you. And his life meant something because it was sinless and perfect. Therefore, he could be the, the right atonement, the right righteousness, the right means by which you can be saved. And he didn't stay dead. He rose, thanks be to God. And he's still alive today, this hour. And he beckons you, come, come, repent of your sins. Come to me, trust in me. And then, oh, friend, you will know, you will know thankfulness with all your heart. You'll be filled with gratitude. Do you know this? Do you know your God? Do you know who he is and what he's done on your behalf? Like, do you know it? That's why we're so ungrateful. So we complain about everything. We don't believe God is who he says he is. We don't believe there's a God. And we don't believe we're that bad. We don't believe we deserve death. That Roman says the wages of sin is death. And the world tells us all these things. Just do you, live your life, you're your God. That is wrong. He is God and we are not. But oh, this God is so kind and gracious and good. Verse five, verse four, therefore enter his gates with thanksgiving. You feel it now? Oh, I can. Enter his courts with praise. We have so much to give thanks and praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name. Verse 5. The Lord's good. You got to let these things sit and marinate so you can feel what the psalmist is feeling. Know what the psalmist is saying. That's when true thanksgiving happens. A right understanding of who God is and what he's done an amazing thing you know zeal without knowledge is not good that's proverbs 19 too. romans 10 paul is saying you know my brother jews they got a lot of zeal they just it's not based on knowledge that's why we're not just making noise don't think tonight oh, okay i'm learning to say thank you so you come church and just make noise make noise sing 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 serve 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 no 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 no, no. it's in light of knowing knowing who god is and what he's our good works flow from the finished work of the cross. This is what fuels us. It keeps us going. Our friends ought to come and gather and be like, why are you making this noise? And then we can tell them why. It's not just because, oh, just because this is one of those churches. You can just come in and just, yeah, you know. All of us know what it's like to just get riled up by noise and emotion, right? Like if I go back to the story of me being put in the cheering section, if that cheering section was really good, even if I didn't care about the team, I might find myself doing a little, 
yeah, we do. We got spirit. How about, you know, and if it went on for a little longer, I might find myself doing some crazy things because I'm just riled up by the emotion. That's not what this is. Joy, thankfulness, it's rooted from a deep knowledge of truth. That's why it makes no sense to me for people who are theologically sound, but seem joyless, heartless, graceless. They know so much Bible. But you look at the spillover effect of their life and they're stone cold. A time is coming and has now come when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. Why is the psalm so filled with joy? Do you have a right and forever growing understanding of who God is and who you are and what he's done? This is why Paul prays like this in Ephesians 3. He says, I just pray that you'd have the strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth to know the love of Christ. That's beyond knowing. Be filled with all the fullness of I want to grow deeper in my thanksgiving. And if I'm going to do that, I need to grow deeper in my understanding more and more of who God is and what he's done and who I am and what I deserve. It will take a lifetime for me to get to the foothills of how grand that really is. This is an amazing thing. And then he finishes and says, and his faithfulness to all generations. I was thinking about children, a lot of you today, in light of this verse. Young people, young men and women, babies, children, listen. Because you're going to grow up in this life, in this world, this ungrateful world this salty, mad, furious world. And you're going to experience a lot of things and a lot of people that are going to fail you. They're going to break your heart, that they're not going to be faithful to you. But know this. God is faithful. He will forever be there for you. He'll not break. He'll, his love, his steadfast love will not run dry. And in that moment when you realize that God is that good, he's that faithful, he's that loving, in that moment when it really hits your heart, you give him thanks and you tell the next generation, okay? We need to learn the prayer of thanksgiving. First Thessalonians 5. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances. This is God's will for Christ in you. This is what God wants. He wants you to be joyful, cheerful, thankful. Isn't it awesome? I'll leave you with this and we'll see you in closing. Get out of here. Here are just some practical ways in which I've learned so far to keep cultivating a thankful heart, a prayer of thanksgiving. The first thing is this, start the day in prayer. Start in the morning. Just start first as best you can. Start in the morning. The morning prayer, Psalm 88, in the morning, start right away and give thanks. Thanksgiving is so powerful, guys. It puts all the attention on him and what he's done for you. 
Here's another one. So start the day in prayer. Second one, identify your tendencies to seize. You know when Paul says, you know, give thanks, pray without seizing. Well, identify in the day, when do you tend to stop giving thanks? When do you tend to, when do you tend to stop praying? You know, um, for me, and this is my own personal application, I realized, man, I, I seize praying a lot during playtime with my children. I just do. I become more prayerless for some reason, and I just play. So I'm working on that. For you, it might be during work. You have your great devotion, and you walk into work, and so, something about the, the check-in thing that just is, it's just possessed. It's like right when you check in, you're like, oh, you just forget God. You leave, and you just you go eight hours and no gratefulness, no prayer, no nothing. That Maybe that for you, that's the moment. Okay, how am I going to not cease to give thanks right here when I clock in at work? Maybe for some of us, it's when you, you do hobbies. You're surfing or whatever. Figure out, identify your tendencies to seize. And then lastly, and I'll leave this and we'll be out of here. Just learn to stop and pray. When you feel and sense your heart becoming ungrateful, you're at the tip of wanting to complain or grumble. Learn the art of being still. Just learn how to stop yourself. Paul says, take captive every thought. So even in a moment, you know, your church, wherever you are, once I feel it come and I sense, oh my gosh, I'm, I'm just losing sight of my gratitude or my thankfulness. I'm just, I just be still. Stop. Think. Take a breath. Pray. Let all your attention go upward. Who God is, what he's done, who you are, what you deserve. Move on. Start the day in prayer. Find your the tendencies where you seize it. Learn to stop and pray. Let's go to the Lord. As the praise team gets ready to do one more song, I, I encourage you, apply this. Make noise. Sing. As the Spirit moves in you, and ideas are coming of how you want to serve, get it going. But, oh, church, may we never lose a thankful heart. Let us give thanks with a grateful heart. Father, I thank you so much for the evening of fellowship. There is so much to give thanks for. I pray supernaturally by the power of your spirit that tomorrow morning, if the sun rises, because that's not given, but if it does, when my brothers and sisters wake, and they take that breath, grace, thanks be to God for life. When we look at our families and our friends, thanksgiving, thanks be to God for my family. I'm going to work. Thank you, God, for a job. Thank you for food. But above all these things, thank you for Jesus Christ, that when all is said and done, and my life, our lives fade, we are all perishing. And there will be a day when we will all give an account and come into the presence of God. And we who have faith in Christ, wrapped with robes of righteousness, will come in. It will cross over. And oh, thank God. For Jesus Christ. Merry Christmas. For to us a child is born. And to us a son is given. 
We have a wonderful counselor, a mighty God, an everlasting father, a prince of peace. And he is the way, the truth, and the life. And when we enter into eternity, it's Jesus Christ all the way. That's our bragging right to the end. That's all we got. And so we come to you, King of Kings, Lord and Lords, this evening. Oh, please. If we have offered up song earlier, honoring you with our lips, but our hearts were so far from it. If we were singing mechanically, shamefully, distant, not now, not in this moment. So cultivate it now, Holy Spirit, a thankful heart as we sing. Let us sing to the Lord. Let us make noise, a joyful noise to the God of our salvation. Fill us, we pray. Lead us now, Holy Spirit, in your name. Amen. Jesus, we give you thanks and praise, Lord. Lord, help us to see us for who we really are in light of what you've done for us, Lord. Give us a heart that longs to give you thanks and praise, not just in lip service, Lord, but in our actions, in our thoughts, and in our repetitions, Lord in our consistency to draw near to you, to come to you. Say hello, my. You call to us. Lord, let us run to you. In your name, amen. Go in the peace of the Lord.